Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me, Adam Myros. Oh, Steve, uh, back in DTV land once again. <laughs> I mean, it's the place where you feel most comfortable, isn't it? I'm I'm starting to get a little fed up. I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't like your disposition around these movies. Cynthia is our queen, and you need to respect her a little bit more. Well, we're back. We're back into the DTV land where Cynthia Rothrock is just there for the uh, splash on the cover and uh, really it's just a vehicle to get over some schlub it's just, this is kind of the story of her career in the early 90s so far it's like yeah starring Cynthia Rothrock Asterix actually it's this other asshole <laughs> well this is a special case and, and I'm sure we'll get into that but <laughs> yeah it, well, yeah we certainly will uh, also joining us Jack Easton's here it's a pleasure. Always love this stuff. I'm just wondering why when Tiger Cage 1 through 3 just got released in Blu-ray, we are watching Tiger Claws 1, two, 1 through 3 instead. This is like the store brand. <laughs> Do those movies involve like time portals and Superman villains? I don't they know. admittedly do not, but they do, they do involve top-notch martial arts and stunt work. Well, you won't find uh, any of that. That dumb as hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, bud, n- not interested. I do want to know, Jack, what's your, what's your favorite part of a tiger? Oh, God, that's, that's a great question. I, I would have to say, obviously, the belly. Ah, because oh, I, you was, I thought he was going with stripes, personally. Oh, no, no, you got to go with the belly, because you can pet the tiger's belly, but also, if they leave it exposed, you can strike. Is yeah, that is that a good answer? Good is there an actual answer? I don't remember. Most is, I watched I, these movies just yesterday, and like they they don't really, like the the dialogue certainly does not stick. Oh, this isn't movie related. Oh, it's it's personal preference all across the board. Myros, you got a favorite part of a tiger? Well, I was gonna say the the fur. You know, that's it's a distinctive yeah. pattern. It's a... yeah, I I agree. The pelt. Yeah. I mean, and there's nothing better. I mean, when was the last time you skinned a tiger? So you guys just want dead tigers? That's your favorite thing about a monstrous well you know i didn't use the word pelt i mean in my answer (laughs) this tiger could very well be alive i would say the blanket (laughs) cuffs out there like meatloaf just fucking pelting animals a great reference you just made to <laughs> Masters of Horror episode from 2007 yeah by Dario sure Argento listeners are just nodding nodding yeah and Dario Argento is I mean what a beautiful starting place because um we just watched the Tiger Claw series and Jalal Merhai who plays Tarek Richards throughout the series and is also a producer, a writer, occasional, probably stepping into direct guy. Uh, by the time this series wraps up in the year 2000, he kind of looks like shitty Dario Argento. So Jesus Christ, describing go. someone as shitty looking Dario <laughs> Argento. <laughs> well, you know what my thing was in this, in this whole series is I'm like, why the fuck does this Balky motherfucker think he's going to be like a karate star? He's he's a very Bronson Pinchot adjacent. <laughs> he is an unusual choice, but you, you absolutely you can tell he's a man who made made his money elsewhere and then went into movies. I mean, he said he owned a jewelry store 
I believe. So it's somewhat a, like, it, there's <laughs> definitely, and by the time we get to Tiger Claws 3, there's definitely a, like, Neil Breen adjacent sense of locale to these films. Mm -hmm. They're very much like storming the generically carpeted office suite. <laughs> Yeah, did he also own an abandoned movie theater? <laughs> <laughs> he may have. I think, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, by the time they get to the second movie, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he just used an abandoned tire factory in Toronto, and they just built sets on that. So, Well, that's shocking. That's I mean, the production value is, is top fucking notch. There's no difference at all between the first film and the second is on that front. No, no. <laughs> you can't tell that he immediately ran out of money. <laughs> well, here, here's something interesting, though. Uh, Tiger Claw 2, while he did run into some financial issues, which I, I dug a little bit into, and I'll, I'll tell you guys about that. Uh, he actually, to start off with, had more money for Tiger Claws 2 than he did for Tiger Claws 1. Boy, which it's I, right, I it's all right guessed. up there on the screen, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but conceptually here, uh, you got my boy Jalal, all right? And you've got Cynthia Rothrock, who's great. And you've got Bolo Young, who's just an absolute legend. Uh, you want to know how legendary he is? He played a character, uh, it was a Bruce Lee's Game of Death, where he played a character named Bolo. Well, that's why he's called he Bolo. Yeah, yeah that's no. like, they, yeah, like, imagine, like, you're just the character, and, and you're so famous for this character role that you did, the people, that you're just like, I, I'm just fucking Bolo now. Like, that's just me. Also, in 1977, he wrote, produced, and directed an action film called Bolo, and it was about him. Uh, that's amazing. Who gets to do that? It was and it was Enter the Dragon where where he got Bolo from. Mm -hmm. I thought so. Yeah, yeah the other Enter one. the Dragon. He also in the one movie one, played yeah. a character named Bulo. Oh well, you know. And in his uh, like it's U.S. Good. run, every character he played was called Chong, <laughs> including mm -hmm. in Tiger Claws. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and I think most famously, uh, at least for a lot of people. Uh, if you're not familiar with him from his, you know, Bruce Lee work there, then certainly you're familiar with him as the bad guy in Bloodsport, uh, which we all know is the film that played every single Saturday afternoon in every single American household uh, for what well, seems like 10 years. Definitely my entire childhood. That was a Saturday afternoon matinee special on TV. And also famously, uh, one of Donald Trump's favorite movies. Except he uh, he fast forwards past all the talking parts. So Bolo Young, uh, Donald Trump loves yeah, him. Bolo Young also, uh, I mean, our link between the Tiger Claws franchise and the early work of Choi Hawk, optimism vaccine favorite. He's in like working class and all the wrong clues for the right solution. And the Boxer's Omen, which isn't Choi Hawk, but is an amazing movie that's coming out in Blu-ray soon that everyone, if you've never seen Boxer's Omen, you have to see it. It is genuinely deranged. We feel like we describe a lot of movies as deranged, but Box's Omen actually is. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so anyway, this is uh, another Bolo Young movie. Um, this, to be yeah. fair, this is very typical of Bolo Young's overall oh, yeah. output. And, and what, what kind of character does he play? He's, he's not a guy who talks, but he doesn't speak a lot of English either, so you're certainly not going to get that out of him. Uh, but he's... he's a very wide man. Like, I think he's only like five foot six, but he's also like five foot six wide, but in yeah. a Brock Lesnar way where you're like, I don't know how like a, a human being can be shaped this way. Just jacked as shit. He used to be a bodybuilder. He was like Mr. China muscle boy for 10 years running. 
uh, also a martial artist, just an absolute fucking legend. So you've got all the ingredients here. And uh, <laughs> well, I, I, it's, it's nice because if you're going to take a DTV franchise for Cynthia Rothrock from the early 90s, and you've got, you know, something like Tiger Claw and something like China O'Brien that we already covered, which both ran pretty consistently on HBO Cinemax and whatnot. I gotta say, Tiger Claw is the superior series by a, a country mile. Which is saying something, considering the latter two films are barely competent, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're magical! Yes, at least they're, this is a far more entertaining series of films, and the first movie is is head and shoulders above either Chida O'Brien, I would say. Yeah. Oh, effortlessly. I mean, yeah. Th this is a this is a very like well thought out well written movie uh Tiger Claws one that is uh first of all it's it's artsy as fuck and what do you expect when you get the director of Kids in the Hall brain candy for for your film yeah it's um, weird there's like effort in the cinematography I'm like wow it's got that whole open with the drummer I'm like this is like this oh, is yeah. like a movie I'm watching <laughs> listen Tiger Claws. <laughs> Walked so that Birdman could run. Okay, it's, you, you, you don't have literally, one the other. literally my first note on Tiger Claws is diegetic jazz percussionist. That's that was the first thing I wrote down because yeah, it opens with this like jazzy drum beat while Cynthia Rothrock walks through the city streets in a goofy looking wig. She's clearly dressed up to look like what nineties movies figure prostitutes look like. I don't think they ever did. And she's walking along to this drum beat, and then she passes a drummer on the street, and it turns out he's just, that's what he's playing. That's, that's what we're hearing. So, you know, a little, little misdirect opens up pretty well, you know? And, and then, obviously, uh, she has to kick the shit out of Guy. Hell yeah. So, you know, she's a cop, and she ends up uh, partnering up with Jalal, uh, who in this movie has a lovely ponytail. And if you watch these three back-to-back-to-back, just so you know, uh, just a fun Easter egg for everyone. Cynthia Rothrock and Jalal, they, they actually completely switch haircuts by the third movie. So uh, that's fun. We like that. Uh, anyways, what, what's happening in this movie? Well, turns out that uh, someone's going around scratching people to death. Yeah. And that's no fun. And specifically targeting uh, comically over-the-top martial artists who seem to buck tradition in in favor of flair and notoriety so uh it's great because we get a whole montage of, of murder that includes people like bill pickles the cable access karate man and uh some black guy with swords so yeah it's it's great and w what else do you want that's that's it. You get to watch these guys get fucking scratched to death. And, and this and, uh, I was saying to Jack, like, if you recall the uh, the Pamela Anderson movie Snapdragon that we uh, covered fairly recently, who's kind of who? who doesn't have that one at the forefront of their memory at all times? Yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of the same movie in, in many ways, where there's like, oh, this bizarre like marking that's related to a. Uh, ancient Eastern like martial arts practice, and and both movies open with a female cop dressed as a prostitute who uh, takes it upon herself to pick up a murder case to try and get out from uh, this this very specific 
duty that she's been pigeonholed into. And uh, then they both immediately uh, stop following the female protagonist and uh, switch over to some bland white oaf. (laughs) Yeah, and it also, the the, the problem is that while that movie plays a lot with the Pamela Anderson, is she or isn't she a serial killer? Uh, this one uses that with Polo Young, and when Polo Young shows up in a movie that is a bad guy, it's usually Polo Young. Just that's kind of how that always, always, always works. <laughs> yeah, like how, he he would be the least convincing, like protagonist, good guy, hero imaginable. Like he, he's just a guy where you look at, and you're like, oh man, he's a real fucking asshole. <laughs> he's great at it. He's got total asshole presence. This is this is another thing he shares with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Like you look at Brock Lesnar, you're like, I bet that guy's a dick. Yeah. I don't know anything about him other than he could snap me in half, but I bet he's a dick. I mean, he's married that's, to that's Sable. Like. That's like I feel like that's the move of a dick as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Because he. He married your crush from when you were eight years old? No, that was not my crush when I was eight years old. I'm not some, like, fucking Tim the Toolman Taylor. He married, like, this weird plasticine woman who everyone hates. And uh, because, yeah, he <laughs> it's very strange. Wow. I can't believe the, the Sable hatred coming out here. Well, I'm hey, just, I, you know, a- I can only go by the dirt sheets, Steve. Sable's not a very popular performer in the annals of wrestling history. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't imagine why. Uh, anyways, yeah, and, and, and the coolest thing about Bolo Young in this is, okay, so you've got Bolo, he's, he's scratching people to death on their little faces, and geez, what are you gonna what are you gonna call this character? What what could you possibly <laughs> name a guy who goes around, uh, you know, uh, uh, dealing death, if you will? <laughs> and why don't we just call him the Death Dealer? It's a, it's great, a great idea. Great serial killer name, actually, the Death Dealer, specifically for a guy who leaves trademark claw marks on people's face. Yeah, no, yeah. Death, like, can, just can you believe death no one took that one? <laughs> I was kind of confused because if you look it. at the like cast list thing on, on Tiger Claws, the second listed cast member behind Cynthia Rothrock is someone playing a character called Psycho Rapist. And I'm like, oh, that must be the killer or something. It's like, no, I couldn't tell you the fuck Psycho Rapist no, is. That's the first is. guy. That's, that's, it's, it's predated by appearance. So Rothrock appeared yeah. first. Jazz percussionist guy doesn't get a credit because he doesn't have any speaking no. lines. Psycho Rapist next. But yeah, going back, like the yeah. Death Dealer, that, that like, that's such like you can have fun there, you know. You gotta have fun naming it your serial killer. How do you come up with the death deal? That's like if the BTK killer was just called the dead guy or something. Like you know, like they specifically <laughs> zoned in on what he was doing. The Zodiac killer they didn't just call him like Dead Bringer. No, like oh, Mister Murder. Yeah, like Murder Man. Like yeah, no, really, you don't. <laughs> they jumped the gun on naming him. I think you know Zodiac probably didn't have his name till uh, a ways in when he started sending all those cryptic letters and what have you. But they That's they true. were like immediately like, well, we got to come up with a name for this guy for some reason. I guess <laughs> Death Dealer. Death dealer. <laughs> and what's and like, yeah, nobody was workshopping it. Steve and Steve is not exaggerating. I mean, literally. The people are scratched to death, and and they're they're like trying to make this mysterious and like alluring in a way that like r- only a ten year old could buy into this because they're <laughs> like they're literally just like whoever did this is an incredible martial artist. Like they just scratch their fate. Like whoever did this keeps long fingernails. That's all. <laughs> That's the entire thing. 
And throughout the entire series of films, they pretty much don't really clarify why Tiger Style is anything at all. And also, if people who use Tiger Style, their style of fighting never changes. That's one of the things that really sticks in my craw about the series. And I actually enjoyed the first two of these movies quite well. But choreography-wise, nothing changes. It doesn't matter what they... Well, I, mean, it, I guess the end of Tiger Gloss 2, they actually have a martial arts array and they bring in a bunch of other guys. But our main do, whatever, Jalal Merhai, like, towards the end of the franchise, he becomes like a Tiger Claws master. He does the same stuff he does in the opening scenes of Tiger Claw 1. It's just, it, it's not really there. But anyhow, I mean, yeah. what are you going to expect? It's more of a mindset, man. It, like, Tiger, Tiger Claw is, it, it's all about, like, like spiritual kung fu edging because the whole thing is like you become so deadly with your little scritchy scratchies but you can't lose control because if you like bust your tiger claw nut then you just go around murdering the shit out of people so it's it's about like the mindset uh, yeah. and also boiling your hands in hot water yeah you gotta do that a big part of it you gotta do that but i mean in the third film he's tech is he learning the same martial art they keep they call it black tiger there and i'm like is this like oh maybe this is a forbidden uh it's already like a forbidden art of martial arts i suppose but this one is even more forbidden and it helps him (laughs) fight ghosts or something i don't know it's (laughs) (laughs) to be fair this this franchise full credit to it develops in weight like we're talking about the shitty name for the stupid serial killer who is like targeting martial artists in tiger claws one by the time we get to tiger claws three we are dealing with very different plot points uh it really detaches from reality entirely in a way that really should be more fun than it probably is at that point but i do enjoy like the storyline of this doesn't make any goddamn sense because it's basically cynthia rothrock is like um she she's a cop but she's not getting enough respect or whatever there's a serial killer the cops are all you know pissed off because they can't catch the guy there's no evidence apparently even though this guy's just gouging people's flesh out um and in like places where people have just left, I don't know. Like, how do you murder someone in a TV station changing room with no one around? Like, I'm pretty sure the crew are gonna be around. But anyhow, minor. Especially plot if you points. look like Bolo Young. Yeah, yeah. How you Bolo Young is like sneaking in and out of anywhere undetected. <laughs> but anyhow, Cynthia Rothrock comes in and she's she's got a lead, and her lead is that whoever's killing all the martial artists is probably a martial artist. And she brings this incredible, incredible insight to her boss, who's like, that's stupid, that's useless, there's probably thousands of martial artists in New York, which is, I think, probably true, but also, that's kind of how you get leads on cases. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more than thousands of people in New York, so you've you've significantly narrowed your search Yeah, like a lot of leads in serial killers is like, it's probably a white guy in his 30s or 40s. You know how many of those are around? But I mean, you gotta start somewhere, but they're like, that's ridiculous. You think we're gonna check martial artists? It doesn't make any sense. So from that, they decide they're gonna pair up with uh, with her, our boy Merhai, who in the opening sequence, and it he, this seems to be the thing he just does all the time. He's basically a one-man army. He just walks into the middle of drug busts and just uh, pulls a gun when he's outgunned like seven to one. And he just pulls out his little shitty revolver. He's like, you're all under arrest. And everyone's like, what are you doing? You were one man. So they all try to fight him. But then he beats them all up with his incredible karate skills. And then some other cops come in and they, they screw the whole thing up because it was their bust. And he gets punished for it because, you know, God, the cops. Uh, you know, it's terrible. Honestly, this is kind of, like, every one of these things is, like, defined. They, they keep going back to, like, 
dumb cops, you know, like, oh, they're ruining it for our guy Murhai, who's got everything under control, or Tarek, I guess, as he's named in the movie. Um, and, and so he's, he's put on suspension, he has to go live on his boat, because he's a cop who lives on a boat, which is a very unique and singular uh, thing that certainly was not influenced by things like Miami Vice, or, <laughs> honestly, is this before Hard Boiled? It might be before Hard Boiled, honestly. It was already a pretty tired thing by then, but he lives in a boat. No, it's it's important though because it, it, we got to know. Like, not only can he can he kick ass, but he's deeply like sexually desirable. Yeah, yeah. Yes. There's, there's, yes, they do. His his character progression through the movies. You know, he's he's settled down somewhat by two, where he's he's got himself like uh, an apartment. You know. Yes, it's true. And then by three, we don't know where he lives. Uh, but it's all very <laughs> curious. We don't know. I don't know where, where three the is even taking place. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. All these movies are very. Yeah, they are very like one is New York, but it isn't really. There's virtually no shots of New York whatsoever. And it's very clearly shot in Canada and specifically probably in a warehouse in Canada. Two has too much San Francisco footage. So, you know, it wasn't shot in San Francisco. There's an enormous amount of like Golden Gate Bridge shots. Yes, per minute. it like, is meant Jesus. to take place like split between New York and San Francisco, but really I'm sure it's filmed nowhere near either. No, no, it's it's uh, it's Canada, 100%. And then three, oh, Toronto. it's, like just it's Toronto. Up. Yeah, Toronto, perfect. <laughs> well, three but also it's... claims to be New York. He has that horribly like painted like baby blue like Crown Vic that just says NYC, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, convincing cop uniforms are a part of the 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 joy of this kind of budget honestly that goes back to our pasta shark episode there were some fantastic fake police officer uniforms used at those three italian movies there's really top-notch stuff but anyhow it was really good get, yeah getting, I, I respect movies when instead of actually using a police station and renting like you know legitimate fake cop shit they just slap vinyl stickers onto the nearest car they see and call it. Or like car. the latest strippers, like nearest stripper supply store. I mean, just, mm -hmm. you know, guy with a like, little thing on his, his shoulder that just says like police force. And, you know, it's uh, one word you need. But anyhow, so, so essentially, long story short, Rothrock pairs up with Murhai because Murhai is like he's he's the he's a tough martial artist who knows a thing or two. And he gets the lead that it's like. It'll probably take place at this enormous martial arts competition. If he's a martial artist, he'll probably be there. So they go there. The plot of this is not actually uh, particularly uh, strong, but what I will say about Tiger Claws 1 is uh, it's got a pretty good uh, music score, and uh, it's just kind of like, I don't know, there, there's a certain charm to the way it's put together. This movie worked better for me than I was expecting. It, it does kind of, to me personally, kind of supersede the sum of its parts it's it's it kind of works it's it's not terrible I, as much as every time i describe something in it it sounds like the shittest thing in the world yeah i mean <laughs> this is a weird one like i said i think it's better than either china o'brien but that's like purely in craft like this is like a pretty well-made movie like surprisingly yeah. well shot yeah they got a good score and you're like oh but it also has fundamental like major problems in that uh, all of these movies are just funded by Mare High and vehicles. They're just like ways to, for him to put himself over as an action star. And yeah, it's extremely funny that Murhai said that uh, for the writing of this, that he like locked a guy in a room for like a long time to like, you know, come up with the script and fix it up. <laughs> and it's like, 
Jesus did. Maybe you should have locked him in there a little longer. I don't, I don't know. But, so uh, you see like in movies like China O'Brien where they'll bring in Richard Norton and they'll bring in when in the sequel there Billy Blanks not doing enough. But nonetheless, they bring in these like capable stunt martial artists. And these movies don't really do that. I guess <laughs> the end of the second one does. But the, for the most yeah. part... Like, their biggest splurges is Bolo Young, and Bolo Young's not that type of performer. Like, he's not a high-flying, high-impact action guy, at least not in the mid-90s. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just like, you might have Rothrock, but you don't have anyone for Rothrock to, like, bounce off of. And you're also really more interested in focusing on yourself uh, being Merhai, and he is... He's not incompetent, but he's also not like some guy who, when he's moving through these fight scenes, you're just like, holy shit, how's this man moving this way? He's just kind of a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's 100%. He's just uh, like a guy who's fine. You know, he clearly, he does martial arts, and that's about as much as you could say about him. And that's kind of his thing. Like, everything I've seen Mariah in, like this, and like TC2000, he's just like, He's just sort of there, and he's not as good as the other people he's paired with, and yet he always is on the screen for more than you would anticipate. Well, that's because he funds all of these movies. <laughs> yes, and 100%. And, and it's like, the big problem with Tiger Claws is that it clearly is a Cynthia Rothrock movie, but for long stretches it's just focusing on the wrong guy, and this gets worse and worse as the franchise continues, because presumably as Rothrock was maybe able to ask for more money, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's a sort of it's disappointing on that level. The fights in this are not brilliant, but they are not as boring as say China O'Brien. They're they're a little bit they have a little bit more variance to them or a little bit more space to breathe. I think they probably didn't shoot this movie in like two weeks like they did with China O'Brien. There's a little bit a little bit more uh kind of flex here. So the the fights aren't great, but they're they're serviceable. They're not awful by yeah. the standard of these things. I think it's interesting because I, I was looking at some behind the scenes stuff and uh, there's some good supplements on the on the Vinegar Syndrome set that came out for all three of these movies. Uh, but Cynthia Rothrock was saying that it was hard because, again, this is a pretty early movie like China O'Brien in her career. And she was still trying to figure out how to act because when she was in Hong Kong, she didn't have to because, you know, they didn't record with sound. So she just had to kick ass. and That was it. And here, not only with, with Tiger Claws, she's trying to figure out how to act. Uh, Merhai doesn't, he's not an actor, and he doesn't have a lot of experience beyond this. He had done one other movie, which also has Tiger in the uh, title. Uh, so, that, you know. This will not surprise guy. you, Steve, that, that uh, Merhai considers himself a master of the, uh, the Tiger form of Kung Fu, which, uh, okay. yeah, uh, which, by the way, is a particularly ridiculous looking form of martial arts so it's not the most mm -hmm. like cinematically impactful i would say but you know, i also just want to say i think it's kind of dumb that he also made a movie called tc2000 which takes place in the future but also i don't believe it stands for tiger claw 2000 so <laughs> no yeah no it's you know i don't think so i don't i don't i don't remember them bringing that up well it's tiger claw 3 does take place in the year or is filmed in the year 2000 so you know that's kind of, true, yeah, it, it kind of jumps the ahead. Same ground. It, it is funny, because uh, Murhai, in, in one of the interviews he gave on this movie, I think it's, it's one on the Vinegar Syndrome disc, he does mention that he got the idea from, like, he and a bud were training at their gym, 
and there was like light coming through like in a movie you know like shafts of light coming through the window and dust you know visible in it. and he was like doing his training routine and his friend just went like bro you look like a tiger and that was like where he got the idea and it seems like he oh you're so jacked and vascular yeah yeah so, so it, seems, it seems like from a friend of his saying you look like a tiger while they're both working out together that that made two movies at least well like one franchise and whatever movie he made before this it was also about tigers he's clearly got tiger fever at this point oh god uh, that yeah this <laughs> you know it didn't it it stuck out to me when i was watching this but i guess uh by the time i watched the third one i was like oh, i guess it was all right but no you won't find like actors in any of these movies like the, the that that's one area where probably even china o'brien has this beat is Every yes. performance in all three of these movies is like the most wooden bullshit you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> <laughs> What's really funny about this is that Rothrock talked about this, and, and I get I think she was just like, and I think she's proud of these movies, and she wants to like talk fondly of them, but you know, you, you kind of have to work with what you, you've got here. So one of the things she, she said about these movies that she really enjoyed was that in Hong Kong, she was just working with stunt guys a lot. Whereas with these movies, she was working with, quote unquote, real martial artists, which I think is true, except that stunt guys know a load more about doing cool shit in a movie than real martial artists. And it really shows on the screen. Like, I, I have no reason to doubt the credentials of Bill Pickles and whoever the other guy is. Like, I'm sure they Shout are. Shout out Bill Pickles. Yeah, they're, they're real martial artists. Everything they do in the movies kind of boring and lame it just looks like some guys just messing around most of what rothrock did like rothrock really is probably the only person who comes out of this movie looking like an actual martial artist she has that form she moves faster than everyone else she's just she's clearly offering another another level and when you think back to yes madame and writing wrongs and you look at that and you're like oh if that's what stunt men do could we please have more of that yeah, whatever this is. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it is odd because yeah, the the use of finger quotes, real martial artists, uh, which is something they do in Tiger Claws too as well. And then another thing is, I I feel like Tiger Claw one is is the best of the bunch, but as we move into Tiger Claws two. That seems to be the consensus among the people who made the movies. They think that one's the best. I, I think did they watch the last 15 minutes of this movie? Holy fucking <laughs> shit. <laughs> Wait, which movie? Okay, so. Two, two, Jack. Two, it is, it two, is a staggeringly poorly made. <laughs> it, it, it has hiccups, certainly. Yeah. I, I'm going to. Here, I took a note, right? And my note is essentially um, if you could replace the boring traditional percussion music of Tiger Claw 2 with the electronic music from Tiger Claw 1, that'd be the best Tiger Claw movie. And I stand by that as my, my very in-depth analysis of the franchise. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it, uh, maybe bring in the director and cinematographer from uh, Tiger Claw 1. I mean, well, sure, but that's no, going to cost you do more that? money. This is a copy-paste thing. Just, put, just, pull the, just pull the thing out. Do a Joe Tomato. Just find some nice... John Williams stuff, but you know, cool just, electronic music. Just slap it over there. I mean, I, I think we could probably move on to two here, but uh, holy shit! All I could say is, holy shit! This finale is just like staggering to me because it's like, 
I don't know what the fuck. Did he just like a hundred percent run out of money where like half of the cast is not <laughs> fucking on screen at all? And it's just like, well, let's put him in full body fucking shrouds and uh, call it a day and just insert some still photographs. It's very confusing. They like, they, they lose. Yeah, they're clearly, they ran out of money. And then meanwhile, we have Rothrock back again. And you and I, Adam, we both watched this in commentary. We're like, it's like 50 minutes in before she throws a punch. Yeah. Anything. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tiger Claw 2 is wild in the sense that, yeah, like Cynthia does not even throw a kick until almost an hour in. It is a direct sequel that takes place five years later. It doubles down on two things that I don't think were strengths in the first Tiger Claw movies or movie, which is. One, the relationship between the the Jalal and Cynthia characters, uh, which is non-existent. They have zero romantic sexual chemistry in the entire first Tiger Claws movie. They just like kiss on a boat at the end. And you're like, huh, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> it is it's genuinely uncomfortable. Back. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And then there's a little bit of like background mysticism. Like, it's just kind of floating around there. It's the right amount in the first Tiger Claws movie. And in the second Tiger Claws movie, it ramps up in ways that, I mean, it ramps up. But again, not uh, until, I, like, you're an hour into this movie and you're like, okay, I guess this is like a gun running movie or something. And right, it's, it's more like martial law. <laughs> yeah. Because if you had to compare it to another Cynthia Rotherock movie. Then an hour in, but all then, of a sudden, they're like, wait, I guess this is a portal to ancient china <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They put the- and, and then and then the plot is because at first you're like okay they're trying to you know find these guys who like murdered uh Mirai's partner who isn't cynthia rothrock anymore but then cynthia i don't know well the they also is, broke these they bad broke guys bolo young out of uh of jail as well yes yeah they got they got bolo young out of prison and then there's a guy with an eye patch. Do you know what his name is, Myros? No. <laughs> his name's his name is Eye Patch. Oh. And then there's a guy who looks like WWE's Seth Rollins. Yeah. And it seems like they're trying to finalize an arms deal so that they can like smuggle guns to ancient China? Is that that's what they want to use the time portal for, that, right? That yeah. seems to, to be take part the guns. of it. Yes, yeah, and that that is, I mean, bring this in. There's a certain point in this movie where a character drops some exposition, and you suddenly realize, like, wait, he's talking about time travel, and prior yeah. to this, no one in a Tiger Claws movie has talked about anything supernatural or or similarly adjacent, other than that Tiger Claws is like a deadly martial arts form, and I'll allow that. You're allowed to say whatever you like about martial arts forms in movies, you know, go with it. But this is like straight up supernatural and, and Tiger Claws 2 leans in on this. We, we find out, yes, they are trying to open a portal to ancient China so they can send weapons back so they can take control. Um, I mean, you might which, say it leans. Don't get into me it, wrong, but it leans into it for like twenty fucking minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the pacing on it is yeah. very odd. And yet, I and I'll say, like, honestly, I kind of enjoyed this movie. I actually, like, even though this was clearly not shot in San Francisco, it gives a much like there's much better footage of San Francisco in this movie than there is of New York in the first one. There's a much better sense of some kind of a place and location here. Although the, like I say, the recurring panning shots of the fucking Golden Gate Bridge in the first 20 minutes do get tiring. It's like, we get it. It's like straight up 
fucking the room stuff at the, at, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. They get a little bit better, though. They go to, like, Chinatown, and they do a couple of other things. Clearly, like, they had, they had a camera there for, like, a day or whatever. But, you know, they get some stuff. Um, there's a couple of fun elements in this. They break Bolo Young out of, out of police custody, and then they decide that they need to get him, that they're going to go from New York to San Francisco, and they decide the best way to do this is driving, and the vehicle mm-hmm. for this is a ancient double-decker bus slash food truck. Food truck, what the fuck is <laughs> Yeah, which kicks ass, because <laughs> then, so Bolo Young, his whole thing in, the, in this movie, which is hilarious because part of the reason why they ran out of money is because they're paying Bolo Young a lot of money and also Bolo Young contrary to what his contract said was like demanding money which was not owed to him at the time <laughs> and then he like would delay production which would make shit cost more oh, so this man. is all Bolo Young's fault that things kind of the wheels fall off at the end but they're in this fucking weird double decker french fry truck <laughs> and they get pulled over by the cops and Patch and his Matrix crew are like hiding out and Bolo's just in the french fry truck and the cops come up and they're like, oh yeah, give me the sloppy special with extra cheese and a, and a belly buster. And Bolo <laughs> Young just fucking puts on a little chef hat, <laughs> drops some french fries into the fryer and then in the most disgusting display I have ever seen a food presentation in a film... He just slops some like dis- just gross ass gray yellow mustard <laughs> on top of the fries and hands it to the cops, and that's what blows their cover. They're just like, "Whoa, what's this? That yeah, has to be disgusting." No, I'm not even sure that does blow the cover. I think it's just someone else just calls it. They're like, oh, "It's going to be a problem here." Like they're thinking about it, and then just some other guy just walks out with a gun and starts shooting at them. Like it's not even done there yet. But uh, yeah, is there any? Probably the greatest surprise in the entire Tire Claws franchise isn't the supernatural turn it takes. It's the fact that when the cops come up and ask for food from the truck that literally just broke down, had been traveling up until that moment, that Bolo Young actually preps food for them. I had no idea that was going to happen. I assumed he just kicked the faces off both of them. I think no, the reason that Merhai goes with this choice is because he can have him reach into the deep fryer. <laughs> So it's like, oh yeah, like Probably the tiger claws, so. man. Oh uh, yeah, and make him wear that cute little chef hat. I love, I love Bolo in a hat. One thing I want to note, just just on the uh, just just to throw it out there, this is technically a California Christmas movie too. I think it's like coming up on New Year's, but like there's some Christmassy elements in here. So, you know, if you want to double, double this up with like a Shane Black movie, uh, probably, yeah, you should do it. Just just want to throw that out mm-hmm. there for people. You know, some yeah. people some people love a little theme, California Christmas, like pair this up. This is Shane Black and whichever one of those Silent Night, Deadly Night, Brian Yuzna movies was also set at Christmas. I think four, maybe. There you go. That's that's an evening's entertainment. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the Christmas of this movie at all, I must say. It's it's very understated. I believe it's like in one shot or something, and then they talk about how New Year's is approaching. So well, yeah, but I interpret- thought they were talking about Chinese New Year. Oh shit, they are, aren't they? I swear to God, there's wow. something. No, no, I swear there's Colonizer something. Colonizer mindset. <laughs> no, I swear there's something Christmassy that I saw because I, I I was certain of that before they brought in the Chinese New Year plot point later on. Maybe I'll have to recheck that, but I think I think this is technically a California Christmas movie. But if it isn't, <laughs> you should watch it anyway, because Bolo Young serves up gross fries to police officers. Oh, and Bolo, I, I mean, he was mad about not getting money or whatever. I'm not sure why. He's got like two fights in this thing, and most of his time in Tiger Claws 2 is spent 
in pretty like comfy looking pajama-esque clothes just snacking. Yeah, he's so, just chilling out. I mean, towards the end, they have a lovely freeze frame of him for one scene. Where he's not wearing—he's not wearing what he's wearing in the well. What his body double is wearing in the scene at fucking all the guys dressed in like head to toe white silk or something, and then they cut to this reaction shot of him in a black turtleneck. This is a still photograph. It's like, what in the fuck are we doing? Why well, would you? You didn't need a reaction shot there at all. No, you need it. The man magic and movies you need it yeah no there's all kinds of great like like what makes this work is and there there's kind of like they're they're still trying there's production values here like you know you know not like not not like spent money but like you know for a movie that has no money we're dreaming big yeah they're they're working on stuff there's and there's funny shit in this i really enjoy one where um murhai and rothrock want to spy in a place so they go to like the seedy motel and and rothrock for some reason rather than just renting a room because why would the guy care um, instead, the Rothrock has to pretend to be a prostitute, and then they get outraged because it costs a hundred dollars for the room, and they're like, a hundred dollars—that's absurd. And I'm like, that seems really expensive for a seedy prostitute motel. Not my area yeah. of expertise, but in 1995 or whatever, a hundred bucks for probably a room you're renting on the hour seems real expensive. What's really funny is they go up to the room, and the room is honestly way too nice to be that. It's like got like chairs oh, and beautiful and, mid-century. Yeah. It was lovely. It's really really weird choice there. They went over on that, and then the rest of their interiors absolutely look like plywood was just put up around you know built built in in a larger room and just kind of throw carpeting, judicious use of drapes to conceal openings and closings in the room. Uh, you know, and then they have a mist moat. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, one of my favorite things in this movie, too, as we get towards the end, because really, it is really, it's all about the, the last half hour, where we have a martial arts tournament, and we have all these different martial artists using different styles uh, approaching. But Cynthia Rothrock, for some reason, just the, uh, 50 minutes in until she throws her first punch, and then she gets thrown in prison for a large chunk of the next thing by the <laughs> by the bad guy. She's just it's magic prison. It's magic prison. But uh, she's in there with an old man who tells us all about the time travel plot and everything. And then she tries to escape, and the old man says, there's no way out. Do you think I like it in here? Right? Which, okay, fair enough, not a bad line. About ten minutes later, the old man uses magic to escape from that yeah, very yeah. cell. Might That's I ask the kind why, of why they didn't just through. get an old man for this role, by the way? Instead <laughs> of whatever the fuck is happening. No, they got, they got like a 27-year-old that they just caked makeup on. Like, this is some fucking, like... Johnny Knoxville <laughs> They really went in on it. Yeah, he looks like I mean, there's wrinkles on his wrinkles. Like they really went all in on it, but it's Oh yeah, it's it's almost like drag makeup, right? Because <laughs> it's like spray on gray hair and then just the wrinkles are drawn in with like a black marker. Uh, at it's this horrific. moment I was like, I gotta switch over to like the low def copy, I think. Like this movie was not it's meant really for good. high definition. But, are showing. but we we like we get to the final tournament and the tournament is goofy all right but frankly this is this is the absolute meat and potatoes of, of tire claws too and i do enjoy it because it does bring with it a, a certain as i've mentioned a certain like shaw brothers kind of production sensibility now i have some questions that need to be answered though about this well okay? there's many questions so again <laughs> to recap dear listeners we're, we're kind of like following these guys, uh, you know, the, the gun smugglers, and we don't know what they're doing other than they're, they're selling guns to 
uh, the gentleman who helped break Bolo Young out of prison. Yes. And so they're trying to get Bolo back. They're trying to pursue this drug smuggler who killed some cops and shit mm-hmm. and or gun smuggler. And we don't know where this is headed to exactly, other than the city of San Francisco. Now, a few things occur here. One, the aforementioned, it, we find out that it seems like they are smuggling the guns to ancient China. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> I'm I'm the first guy to stand up and say, hey, we should get someone a gun specifically if they don't know how to use it and it could be detrimental to their own well-being. Um and also it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like you want your tiger claw boys to succeed. So let's give them some, some fucking AR 15s or whatever. But also we're being told at the same time that this is like the most deadly form of martial arts. So I, <laughs> why, why do they, I don't know why they need the guns, but okay. They need guns. Well, fine, we fine, see fine, in fine. three, you would think they wouldn't have any use for these guns. <laughs> no. Cause they could do fucking magic laser. Yeah, they could shit, block all the bullets anyways, with their to, crazy look, to, be, to be fair. <laughs> To what, be fair, but, from okay, a labor wait, 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 perspective, wait. from a labor perspective, there's a ramp up in training time, and guns probably take less time than learning yeah, tiger then, claws. That's my theory. That's true. That's true. Or maybe they that's don't know true. the black okay, tiger so, method. They just know regular tiger, and that's not right. bulletproof. <laughs> but but again, in the first movie, there's there's all this talk about like traditionalism. Like Bolo Young specifically targets people that he doesn't feel are like upholding like the virtues of of martial arts, but so I, I don't know. I just I just don't know where, where they're going with this or why they had to include it. But they did. So there we go. We're smuggling guns through time. Now, in addition to this, there is a tournament. Why are they having the tournament? One of the characters at one point, I, I don't know if it's if it's Patches or one of his buddies, but someone's like, why are we having this tournament? And the main bad guy's like, shut up. We, we're doing I it. I lost track of that <laughs> entirely where they're yeah. like, we must determine who are the final four. I'm like, for what? Do <laughs> what not know why is there like no. a fucking Because a fighting is cool. How else, cave. Are you, how else are you going to get a big sweaty muscle man into your movie? Okay. Man? Okay. Again, I love, I love sweaty guys kicking <laughs> each other. So I'm fine with it. But then, but then also there's the weird like dungeon cave trial where, where the jail cell is and they have to hop on logs. So before you can even fight in the tournament, you have to do a Legends of the Hidden Temple challenge. Which you would think maybe yeah. you'd write and that into your script like around a set, like, oh, we have access to this weird labyrinth. No, no fucking hell, no. they don't have access to anything. They have access to some <laughs> no, wood and a foam machine. And they yeah, make... and, a, and some spray foam. <laughs> they love it. No, I mean, I'm going to say this, this reminds me, like, that the the whole training thing, I enjoy this. This does remind me of like the goofy, like a goofier Shaw Brothers like training thing, where the Shaolin Temple is full of like ridiculous, you know, train things, and and you've got to like, you know, like your eight diagram pole fighter. Granted, it's much better in those movies. And Shaw Brothers had more. Well, they didn't necessarily have more money than these movies, but they just reused the same sets, and labor was a hell of a lot cheaper. And that was like the beauty of Shaw Brothers was they were dirt cheap movies to make because they just reused the stuff they had really clever, just like Hammer did as well. And that's, you know, that's like there's a production style to it and it's really kind of nice. It's like opulence, but technically over the course of 50 movies, it costs absolutely nothing. Uh, they don't have quite that here. So like you say, it really does look like they built like it's like a, an employee appreciation day fucking game outing or something like that. Yeah. Someone put together in the break room. Yeah, the problem is but they you know, don't know how to film it, though. Like every time they round a corner sure. and, the, and the rock wall is like fucking two inches thick and they just keep <laughs> showing it over and, and the camera will be at such an angle where you can see clearly 
that this is not undergrounded anywhere. There's like a big gap above the fucking walls. It's like, <laughs> there, come on. There's issues. Suspend your disbelief, Adam. You gotta believe in the magic of movies. Well, yeah, you know? the magic like, of movies is that you can edit so that I don't see these fucking problems. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can, but like, let's credit where it's due. And this is what I do enjoy about Tiger Claws too. is if Tiger Claws is a pretty generic, uh, like, martial arts cop movie. It's very much in line with, you know, uh, what the, like, martial law and stuff like that, you know, and China O'Brien. And you're kind of like, oh, we've seen this kind of thing, you know, and it's got none of the punch and the panache of, like, the Hong Kong variants where, like, every Hong Kong movie about the cops is, like, the most nihilistic, insane thing you've ever seen. These are all very bargain basement, kind of, like, not that exciting. Tire Claws 2 he brings in, you know, like, hey, look, we've got a mystical maze. We have a fucking kumite for some reason. No one knows what. They brought in some dudes. Like, they have a dude doing, like, his weird, like, monkey kung fu. We've got, like, I don't know, there's one guy who's mm -hmm. just, he's very, he's just a muscular man. I think that's his fighting style. Uh, it's not quite sure. Uh, most of the other guys I wasn't really able to identify, but I bet, I bet they all actually were specific practitioners of specific martial arts. And uh, Murhai is just so high on the whole martial arts thing that he, like, brought them in. He was really into it. Like, you know, yeah, you're doing like this and you're doing this style and people are going to love it. And it all just looks like a bunch of, like, very pasty white guys just kind of doing weird high kicks <laughs> uh, over and over again. The choreography, again, not brilliant, but, you know, it's something. Again, Rothrock fucking blows the doors off here. She is, like, so much better than everyone else in these movies. So she's I in the tournament, right? She's she's in the tournament. Right? <laughs> she's yeah. in a prison cell. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. It's just like I get it. I mean, if this movie was entirely this last half hour, I would love it because it's fucking complete embarrassing bullshit, and uh, <laughs> that is a joy to watch. But it is also there's also like an hour of nonsense tacked onto the front that's not particularly engaging and. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't understand a lot of the choices made here. Like, yeah, you want to have a karate <laughs> tournament in a sequel to Tiger Claws? That's great. Just write it into the fucking movie. Shouldn't be too tough. It's like, nah. <laughs> fucking time <laughs> travel. <laughs> and, and I will say, like, the cool thing about this one, well, cool, using cool in a very uh, broad sense. To be fair, this movie, I think, better mythologizes, like, Tiger Claws as, like, a special martial art because like in the first movie it really just seems like uh when he uses it guys end up with some scratches on their face and it's like that just seems like like a, maybe a lady fighting in a gas station like injury it's just like it's not very exotic or crazy it doesn't there's no magic to it at all which makes the whole premise of the original movie kind of dumb and boring uh you know and it kind of like i say it supersedes that a little bit but like everything sounds stupid and in this one towards the end bolo young is going around and he's doing his tire claws thing and they like overlay a little tiger roar sound every time he hits someone. And it, and it gives at least it communicates like that this is like there's magic, you know, there's something to it. And they've also brought in time travel. I don't, you know, I don't know. I just think I think this movie, like if I had to recommend one of these movies, personally, I would point people probably towards Tiger Claws 2. I think it's it's probably the best settling point for this franchise. At the same time, I do absolutely acknowledge there are many problems here. And the first hour. There was plenty of things happening there that probably didn't need to happen. But, you know, I mean, it's fucking 
it's it's a directed video American action movie from the nineties. No. So no, you know, I, and you don't you don't see any of this stuff coming. You think you know exactly where this movie is going an hour yeah. in. Yeah. And then this third act. I feel bad that we've spoiled that for you. people, but you know, just try and imagine when you go in there, it's like, oh, this is a procedural cops cops investigating bad guys thing, and next thing it's like, yeah, we're sending guns to the past. Yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> thing, like, Steve said when he was running it down, I think, like, oh, well, where are they running the guns to? We don't know, but it's like, yeah, but that's the thing with a DTV action movie. You never know that. That's not need-to-know information. It's just like, these bad guys are running guns. That's that's all the information you will be provided. Now that's they're it. gonna karate that's all I fight. Need. But instead here <laughs> it goes some places. I bet you didn't think this movie would end with Bolo Jung and his sensei uh walking into ancient china never to be seen again uh i mean mind you neither actor seemed to be on set at the time (laughs) (laughs) it is it is absolutely ballsy to end this movie on a cliffhanger effectively like you know you you could they could have written on like bola young will return in tiger claws three but he doesn't he does not come back i think they were done with him and we never hear from that particular strain again the next one, Tiger Claw 3, does still involve time travel and supernatural stuff, but none of the same people particularly. It's not, it doesn't really, it's pretty freeform with the narrative at this point. We've mostly just lost sight of any actual story goals by part three. It just, it's just things happen. I, uh, I assume that we just, well, I think like... it has a very simple story goal. <laughs> the story goal is, what if I made Superman 2? Yeah. <laughs> That's yep. it. It's <laughs> Superman 2. Yep. Kung Fu Superman 2, yes, is is actually Tiger Claws 3. Which, you know, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, Tiger Claws 3 is basically about a guy who, like, breaks the, the boundaries of space and time to get three supernatural martial arts masters so he can have them bully people in a Chinese restaurant. Or is it? That's Tiger Claws 3. <laughs> actually, that was just a detailed part of Jalal's dream, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, are we go? We go right to the end of Tiger Claws. I'm gonna yes, tell you, no one wants twists. to. Never watch Tiger Claws three. Anyone listening? <laughs> we may you spoil do not it have immediately, to watch it, but no. uh, that's because you should not be viewing this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it no. is fair to say Tiger Claws three twenty. Again, we keep talking about Roth Rock. She is absolutely. She's the star. She's the only person in these movies any kind of magnetism. She dies twenty minutes into Tiger Claws three. We are basically rock rockless for the rest of the well, movie. Or does she? She <laughs> dies. Well, well yeah. I mean, yeah, functionally she disappears. And then at the very end of the movie, it turns out it was all a dream. Yeah. Or was it? I guess you could ask if, if you give a shit, which you absolutely oh will not. God. But I mean, just you your don't. fair warning. You, do you want to watch Tiger Claws 3? The only person attached to the franchise who has got any particular charisma. I mean... Her and Bolo Young. Bolo Young is straight up not in Tiger Claws 3. Uh, Cynthia Rothrock is in there. She doesn't really get to do... She gets a small bit of a well, fight before. She was pregnant. Oh, and this is great, too, because uh, like these, this whole franchise is somehow spread out across the course of like a fucking decade. Yep. How is this is a 2000 movie? <laughs> yeah, this came out in 2000. So, I mean, at that point, Cynthia's got to be pushing 40, right? And... She is trying to get pregnant. She had had a miscarriage the year before. I was like, I got to slow down. I want to start a family. She's pregnant. Pregnancy's going fine. Uh, and then gets the call for Tiger Claws 3 and is like, I'm, I'm pregnant. I can't do the movie. And 
They're like, oh no, what are we going to do? And then they're like, we know, we'll just have you throw a couple of punches here and then we'll kill you, <laughs> but not really. And, th and that'll be the movie. This will be totally fine. And it's not because you lose the glue, you lose the charisma, you lose the skill, you lose everything. And also the little bit, the beginning where she is in the movie, I don't know if pregnant ladies should be doing what she's doing. She's like really going for it with some of these like kicks and punches. So she can't slow down. Yeah, no, Tiger Girl 3 is 100% the, uh, the, the Murhai show, which is not the oh, show anyone is signing up for. And my God. So his solution here is, you know, he always had Bolo as the big heavy, but then he would have um, you know, uh, a secondary uh, white guy karate man as one of the main villains. And it was the guy that looks like Seth Rollins for Tiger Claws 2. And then he's got someone, uh, Striker, God, played by Lauren Avedon. Totally useless, totally faceless, zero charisma. You, you know nothing about him. And then the other thing he does is he pulls a, like an ancient Carter Wong out yes. of probably semi-retirement at this point. Uh -huh. And I have the most respect for Carter Wong. And he's done some really cool shit. He did, uh, I mean, e even as an American, it, it, like acting in American movies, he was in Big Trouble in Little China. He's great in yeah. that. Fantastic. He is unbelievably horrible this, this. is mayor high's fault ways, man like he had bolo you know he wasn't like hey mayor bolo why don't you fucking read 75 lines it's like no that's not what you're supposed <laughs> to be doing with this guy like i think it's worth i think it's worth noting uh, as we talk about the facelessness of uh striker that he is actually like one of the guys who's in like all the kickboxer movies so He's he's they pulled him in his pedigree from another franchise and yeah. it, it doesn't pay off. Man, at I all. fucking hate him in this. Yeah. He's just doing this smarmy shit that's like he's, so fucking annoying. It's just like, go away. I want to watch karate. No, it's <laughs> this this is an enormous amount of like plot detail and discussion and training sequences. But like, you know, Jackie Chan would throw in the training sequence and he would just absolutely fuck himself up. He would just do insane shit. And then Murhai is like, oh, I've got to do a training sequence, gotta gotta learn this black tiger thing. And so he goes to an exotic location, which is a snowy field, which isn't exotic because we know it's made in Canada, and Canada has snowy fields. You know, it's not even up in a mountain or anything. It's just like it, like they went to the outskirts of Toronto. Uh, and Jack, just the shot script there. told me it was in fact in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, they say it's in the. They, yeah. Did you see the a mountains mountain? of Ontario? Did you see a, a scenic <laughs> vista behind him? Because I sure I shit mostly didn't. just saw a barn where he was like his big karate move was to hit. Pieces of straw with a stick. Yes, yeah. yeah there's all He's kinds of stuff. He's basically bailing hay. Yes. Yeah. No. It's, it's like there's nothing here. It's just you gotta try harder. You know, like you, if this is for entertainment and this is like your reputations on the line, you probably should do something a little more than just the exact same stuff you've been doing for the last two movies. And this is the thing, like I mentioned earlier, is that like he's learning a new martial art. He's becoming super powerful to fight these supernatural masters who've come. Presumably from the past, I guess. I don't know. Or from space. Who the hell cares? Right. And, and he just ends up doing the same shitty roundhouse kick he does in every one of these movies, where he's like, he's a man who's able to do a roundhouse kick. That, and okay, that's it. I mean, There's look nothing at, here. He brings in Carter Wong as like his master 
or whatever. He's teaching him the black tiger arts, but master of acting. The problem is you bring him in and you can see <laughs> that Carter Wog is like a real martial artist. His hands are fucking busted to shit. Sure. And we got Jalal next to him, just like half his size. Looks like he's fucking never hit a thing in his life. And it's just like night. Uh, and his hair has never been worse. Yeah. It's, it's like terrible. distractingly awful in this movie. Yeah. But again, oh, it's just, yeah. I feel I'm with Steve. I feel so bad for Carter Wong because they're just making him do things he can't fucking do. And he looks like a fool. And it's just like, no, I hate this. It's, I mean, it goes in, we've talked about the performances are bad. I, I also want to highlight the uh, chief of police in this movie. His oh, performances. Ab- you know, I mean, chief of police roles in these kind of movies are absolutely for scenery chewing and just going over the top. Whoever they got for, I don't know who the guy even is. It, he's just awful. He's like trying to act tough and it's just, it's, he's like reading his lines like he's like a typewriter. It's just, it's, there's nothing. And he just throws in a capiche at the end because I think he's supposed to be Italian American, I guess. See, I don't, I don't even know. Th- this is the uh, it's a through line with the Tiger Claws movies. I think the first one has like a proper chief. These guys aren't even chiefs. They're the same characters that exist in all three movies of two detectives who follow Merhai around and hassle him all the time for some Th- that reason. That is a recurring theme, yes. yes and-, uh, and it's and it's introduced so awkwardly. Like in the first movie, we have. Uh, the two cops come in and they break up his his drug deal and he gets in trouble because of it and then they disappear for the entire movie and then they show up in the last scene again to also cause trouble and get beaten up it's pretty much the same thing here like everyone else in this movie just disappears when they're not needed they just vanish into thin air Uh, and then the main the main part of this is pretty much uh, three villains in black clothes who are uh, electricity spewing magical martial artists yeah. just walk around the place hassling people while while Stryker who summoned them they have to work for him for some reason uh, he he wants in on this like I don't, like he wants to join another guy's gang he doesn't want to take over he ultimately <laughs> does but like for his first thing is like I have these three invincible super warriors who will do my every bidding. So I guess I'll try and go into partnership with some local hood. That's my that's my dreaming big scenario. Nothing in this movie makes any sense or is in any way compelling. I mean, uh, I think a, a, a like overarching thing of the Tiger Cage trilogy to or Tiger Claws trilogy to let you know how underwritten they are is the status of Murhai and Rothrock's characters and their romance. Because by the end of the first one, it looks like they're a couple. It seems like there's zero chemistry between them, there's zero romantic charge between them, but whatever. In the end, it's pretty much like they're on his boat together, so they're a couple. Yeah. Then in two, they're broken up. They're still flirt with each other when they hang out together for the rare amount of time they do actually hang out together. But there's there's no mention of any romance. I think uh, Rothrock has like a picture of him, or, or he has a picture of her in their apartment. There's no mention did they did why why did they move across country? One of them did. We don't know. And then Tiger Cage three again, it's kind of back. It's like they're really they're really kind of like being very over the top about the romance element. But we still don't like are were they ever dating? Are they actually together? Um, you know, it just it doesn't make any sense. There's a flashback in Tiger Clause three that shows them dating, I think, in bed in bed together. And that's, like, the only confirmation, actually, that there's any kind of a relationship there. But then the rest of the thing, we're supposed to, like, buy that they're... I don't know, like, are they dating? Is there tension between them? It can't clarify this at all. And you would think for a genre movie, this is, like, 
absolute baseline stuff you can work out. Just, you know, either they aren't and you playfully lean into it and attention, or they are and that's like, you know, there's a meaning there, you know, they care for each other a lot. This movie leverages neither, neither of those things. Um, very, very peculiar. Everything else is written to that level as well. It's like completely just, we had an idea, we strung it up, we like put it on the, the wall and, and it's just kind of there. The super martial artists shoot electricity, they hit some people, their overarching bad guy wants to join up with another guy. Uh, at one point they storm the city and they blow up three cars for some reason. That's like the extent of Black Tiger. Murhai has to go to the mountains in rural Toronto and just kind of like do some stuff. None of it hangs together with any kind of tension or even like the base level you would expect of a genre movie. No. So it just it just kind of sucks. It's kind of like uh, what is the like what does he have to learn to overcome these people? It's not ever really made clear, but uh, apparently it seems like what it is is once he learns to put his hand through that spinning wheel and grab a necklace, then now he has the power to also grab the necklace of the ghosts. It's like what the fucking hell are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's. <coughs> I mean, I guess they lay out a stake there, but it's, it never really makes any sense. Were the it's, ghosts it's, super fast? That would make sense, like logically, if they had like. They sure don't seem to no. be fast. Nothing in this movie is fast. No. no. I don't know. It's, it's a nonsense movie that opens like, again, there is like basically no script here. It's like, oh, they foil a warehouse robbery. And then instead of the proprietor who was burglarized telling them what was uh, being stolen, he's like, why don't instead you attend this auction? Wouldn't you be like, fucking hell, buddy, you're at the police station. Why don't you yeah, tell me what hours. the fuck was stolen? He's like, no, no, I'll show you at this fucking auction just head on over it's like oh, okay so you assume that that guy would then of course be in on this plot right no he's not a character in the movie at all i, I <laughs> fucking christ it's it's just perplexing <laughs> and also this this auction takes place in the same uh abandoned movie theater that was the home of the tiger claws gang in the first film for no reason whatsoever I think that's a really good in-joke, because they, they, they say the, the event they're going to, it's like $500 a ticket, and he's like, don't worry, it's free for you guys, and it's like a room full of people who paid $500 purportedly in this movie to hang out on a set from Tiger Cage, which is really... Jack man, can't I'd stop be doing this. Maybe a set from Tiger Cage Tiger would be impressive, I'm not sure. Ti <laughs> we, should, we, should be, we should be talking about different movies. I'm sorry, why are we doing Tiger Claws? I just got Tiger Cage, I want to watch them again, I mean, they're much maybe better. Maybe those have sets, this is really just like a black box theater with they some have candles. Sets. They, have in, they have insane stuntmen doing insane things, they have young Donnie Yen kicking the ever-loving shit out of people. Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen compared to this guy. What are we doing with our lives? What the fuck is happening here? Jack, Wait, there are, are other Donnie days. Yen is better than Jalal? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always another fucking week coming up, Jack. We, these episodes keep oh, coming. Oh, man. Soon enough, I wish Roger would be in better stop. movies sometimes. I really, I really admire her, and I think she's, she does some really cool stuff, but man... She shouldn't be in Tiger Claws 3 
or two. Well, I mean, she barely is. <laughs> she barely. <laughs> well, considering our our wrap up on Rothrock is going to involve Godfrey Ho, I'm sure things will only go up from here. <laughs> Maybe I mean, Tiger Claws Three is definitely improvable. On we we can get back up from there. I'm sure. Oh, I'm excited. I'm ready for a hoedown. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we got to wrap this up. So, uh, Myros, what are you putting over this? I'm week? still doing like kind of a. Uh, a Rewatch or a watch, I suppose. A rewatching would involve watching things more than once. You know, that's how the language works. But, yeah, that's usually how it but works. But yeah, no, I'm going through some stuff that HBO Max purged. So I'm, I'm kind of binging some animated stuff that is uh, nuked from the internet now uh, via extra legal means. Um, so I watched uh, JG Quintel, the guy who made Regular Show. His follow up is called Close Enough. And, uh, it's, it's a little more adult oriented, but not particularly, but it's basically, it's, it's a more regular show, which, uh, that's good. Uh, regular show is fun and this show also fun. Uh, so if you can find it, which you can't, unless you want to rent per episode, like some sort of maniac, uh, close enough is the name of the show. And it's a very fun cartoon and you know. You you can find it online if you're intrepid. All right, Jack, what are you putting over this week? Please say Tiger Cage. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to put over Tiger Cage because you know everyone should watch that. So it's it's great. I'm going to put over Hard Target because I watched that again this week for the first time. That that Kino 4K disc that just came out. I'm telling Ooh. you, it looks incredible. I think part of, like this seems like the best 4K advert I've you know, experience yet at home. And I think maybe that's just because Hard Target never really had a very good Blu-ray or DVD release prior. No one really took much care of it. But man, that movie kicks ass. It is so goddamn good. It is it's absolutely John Woo. Uh, you know, okay, fine. It's not John Woo's best movie. It might be Jean-Claude Van Damme's best movie, though. And it really is just a fantastic array of outlandish shit almost no one else would ever do it's it's tremendous so i mean you, you i mean i know this isn't news to too many people but just go watch hard target again and we all know john woo's best movie is broken arrow no well yeah i mean that's that's usually what everyone goes to and then some people are like yeah, they want to get outside of that so they're like you know oh yeah no you could watch uh, whatever she shoots straight or something <laughs> but <laughs> well I want you guys to know that uh, I'm I'm going to use some liberties here with my put over this week because uh, I I don't actually want you to watch this, but we're gonna we're gonna put over a concept. And so I I was reading an article earlier, and it said that according to Amazon and and various insiders, their entire future as a streaming pat platform rests on the shoulders of this new Lord of the Rings thing. Now, I don't give a fuck about Lord of the Rings, and you might, and if that's the case, pirate it. Because I want to see what happens if the Lord of the Rings thing fails, <laughs> and then Amazon implodes. What are you, trying so, to end our, yeah. our great trash repository? Listen, long live Tubi. Fuck Amazon. Tubi for life. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so I'm putting over 
fuck it over Jeff Bezos. I think that's that's a good thing that we can all aspire to. Well, we can all do our part. I may not support the death of Amazon Prime and its, its glorious hoarding of trash with zero standards for uploads, uh, but I think we can all get behind not watching a new Lord of the Rings show. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tall ask. I know it is. You know, Myros. I, I know why I'm a real for tough this. one for you. Yeah, we're ready to do it. We're ready to fucking do it. All right. Well, if you enjoyed the show today, do us a big favor. There's a link that'll take you to our Patreon page, and when you go to that Patreon page, you can give us money. How fun is that for you? I bet it's real fun. And if you give us money, no matter how much or how little, if you live in the continental United States, I'm going to send you a movie from my personal collection. So what are you going to get? You're going to get a Blu-ray? You're going to get a laser disc? You don't fucking know anything. You don't know shit about fuck, but I'm going to send you something in the mail. Also, at higher levels, uh, there's extra perks. We just did our first Patreon-voted episode last week. So, you know, we got special Patreon episodes for people that are in the $5 tier or more. And you can also, if you donate enough money, you can actually pick a whole ass episode. We got a brand new person at the $25 level or the $20 level, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. $25. Uh, yeah, we got, we got a new person at that level. They're going to they get to pick an episode. That's exciting for them, I'm sure. Myros, have you reached out to them yet? Do we have uh, any direction on that? I have reached out to them, but we, you know, these things take time, Steve. Really, they they have donated to us so far zero dollars. So you know, we have to we have oh, to wow, give it a, yeah. a month before uh, such requests are really executed. That, that's fair. Gotcha. I mean, you after the Crocodile Dundee quadrilogy. Mm. Why do we tack an extra movie onto that one? We did that other Paul. Hogan. I don't know why we did that. That was, that was uncalled for. But it, but it does show you get good value here. We'll, so we'll just go you out do. of our way and watch another bad movie on top of the three bad movies you asked us to watch. Yeah, I, I would recommend. I mean, if you're looking for something you're like, oh shit, what am I going to have them watch? I don't. I I think hentai is a good place to start for my. See, roast, I, uh, I don't know about that. Video. I mean, now, maybe Steve, I'd we, pick we, a we have... personal favorite if I were Kofax Kropotkin. Uh, when when your when your check clears, uh, we will certainly hit you up. But maybe maybe pick something you're interested in. If that's hentai, so be it. But uh, I'm I'm going to guess you're a civil human, and do not wish to, for us to cover such trash as that. Look at you thinking people that listen to this show are civil and, like, not into hentai. <laughs> that's our entire audience base. Like, that's, that's the fucking, right there, that's Venn Diagram. They're all just hentai I mean, boys. They, they did all go for the pasta shark, so... I mean, the, it was a close um, poll. We need, we need more voters. That's true. Yeah. Alright, well, uh... Yeah, I... Anyways, Myros, who are who are the people that get their names right off on the air? You got okay, those names. Well, we in front just of you? we just shouted Kofax Kropotkin, our newest patron. Uh, we also have Paula, CWW, Dustin, Evan, and Ryan in the. Uh... Look at that! You donate that five dollar level, you get you get good shit. Mm -hmm. It's worth that little upgrade. Worth it. Worth it. Uh, also, if you enjoyed the show, uh, you you got any questions? You got any comments? Death threats? Marriage proposals? optimismvaccine at gmail.com is a place to send that. We, we do read the emails. By we, I mean Myros, probably. But uh, yeah, if you got recommendations, you got thoughts, you got anything, we'd love to hear from you. Or you can tweet at us, at optimismvaccine. We're, try we're trying to get the Twitter followers to break 1K. That's, that's the new goal. So I, I don't know how we're going to do that. But um, maybe I'll just have Jake follow a bunch of dumb fucking accounts. Like, uh, what's, what's the one? It's, it's not... 
uh, oh fuck, it, it's like the comic book one. All they do is they just post like their own like Marvel fan theories over and over again. But they have like twenty seven different accounts. Yeah, I was gonna say that's, that's them, one account that seems like uh, half the things that show up in my newsfeed through. <laughs> I'm like fucking yeah. hell. It's been great. It's been great. Fucking horrible. Awful. Awful. Awful shit. Um, I guess. I guess the latest thing is uh, everyone's everyone's mad about She Hulk or they're happy about She Hulk. Who fucking cares? Why well, you gotta watch? Fucking green well, skin, Ally McBeal. I think Grow the burgeoning thing now is uh, whether or not we are uh, <laughs> pro or against Olivia Wilde. I believe that's what we all have to decide on. Oh, yeah. Because her new movie now is apparently a moral venture, and you have to decide whether you support brave women making cinema or you're a disgusting little sullied misogynist freak. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard, though, because I'm kind of on the side of being a terrible little piggy man because... Uh, Shia LaBeouf got fired from from the Olivia Wilde movie, but then he he got to bro down with Abel Ferreira and make a Padre Pio movie. So, well, or does that mean I I'm pro well, yeah, Olivia well, Wilde see, because she fired him? Yeah, here's I don't the thing: know. she didn't actually fire him. Apparently, that may have come out, and then it turns out she might have pleaded for him to stay on the production, even though apparently the whole reason that he had to leave was because Florence Pugh was was uncomfortable being around Shia LaBeouf. Which fair, I think. I think anyone could be. Oh, we all are. Sure, hundred percent. Anyhow, this is the whole thing. It feels like marketing. I don't know why anyone would care about this. Like, is there any reason to believe that Olivia Wilde's next movie is going to be in any way notable? I have, like, uh, book I have uh, read the script. I read the script as part oh, of my screenwriting class. It is uh, not very good. All right. Well, I can't wait to see how she got someone to film that because I don't know if Olivia Wilde is a particular. You know, mise-en-scene or sensibility, I've certainly heard no one comment on that in relation to her previous film. You know, I mean, like, fair enough, you gotta start somewhere, but it feels like all these movies are just turning into, like, you know, pro or con, like, moral quandaries, and we have to choose a side, and it doesn't make it, like, it's just a movie. Like, if I don't give money to a movie, that doesn't mean that I'm, like, a terrible person propping up something awful. It just means I'm not interested. I, why market movies like this? Like, I don't even know what the movie's about. That has I don't even know. Oh, it's one of so, these it's one of these stupid, like twisty, half sci fi moral message movies. It's 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 not oh, really fuck, I hate yeah, it's not gonna yeah, really do a little, little bit Stepford Wives, a oh, little bit Shadow. No, no, that we need to stop. Here is my eating. We need to stop the like speculative fiction thing. It is out of control. Like if you want to make a movie about like death or dying or fear of, you know, whatever like of, of terminal illness or whatever just make a movie about that don't make something that posits that in the future a scientist develops a chip that gets implanted in your head that makes you experience like just stop doing that just make movies about things humans actually experience you don't have to have all the middleman bullshit yeah there's like a, everything awesome everywhere to all a, at once aspiring filmmakers you are not david cronenberg <laughs> Right, yeah, no, yeah, don't do it. Just not. make movies about people and what they do and feel. All the sci-fi uh, Jack, stuff is sucks. It's never good. Let me, let me tell you something, though, buddy. Uh, you want to make a movie about how uh, I'm locked in a house with Harry Styles and I can't escape? Because... Oh, that sounds like a good one to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but are sad, you, like, Steve? On... The, question, the question is, are you locked in a house? Oh, but or much I? like oh. uh, High, perhaps uh, you're only dreaming. <laughs> oh shit! I tell what? you, this... Jalal Merhai. Could could we even have? Would there be an Olivia Wilde without a Jalal Merhai? <laughs> Tune in next week. We'll we'll sort this out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah.